Good morning. Welcome. <clears throat> what a uh, what just an incredible time we're having this morning. I'm loving church this morning. Are you? I just think God's on us. I really do. I think God's working in and through us. I, I think even as um, Gordon was speaking, I, I, I felt he was breaking something over us about being a blessing, that we can say these things in, in cold daylight and say that's, that's what we want to do as a church. But you know, sometimes someone comes with an anointing and an ability, and as he speaks over us, it, it breaks something across a community. And I feel like God was doing that in, in, with Gordon and with us this morning. I want you to be expectant this week that you will have an opportunity to be a blessing. We want these stories to roll and roll and roll, that this community would get known like that. When I thought about this kind of thing for the whole year, I, 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 those were the kind of things I dreamed of, that the police force would know about Citygate Church. Do you know what, and how many other agencies, people, responsibilities would know about us because of our great saviour, our Lord Jesus Christ, and that's why we're doing this at all. Just want to say that Tim France is not here today. He's in Southbourne um, at our potential multi-site. Um, this, uh, straight after here, I'm literally running there. Well, not running, because that would make me hot and sweaty. And I'm going over to Southbourne. We have a lunch with the church there, and Tim and I are are, we've been invited in by John Hughes, the leader there, um, and we've been talking about this adoption of the church there in Southbourne, and uh, it's a key moment because we're just explaining to the whole church um, the, the, the way it looks, something about us and how something of us is going to be there in the future as a multi-site. It's a very much a partnership. We're doing this together. We're not forcing ourselves upon them in any sense. just want to make that clear that God has led us in this direction, and we're going there together um, to have a thriving community there in Southbourne, um, preaching and teaching the gospel, just as they are doing already, that we can build on that for the future. And we're in Philippians in our discipleship series. I'd love you to turn to chapter four if you've got a Bible or a device. Um, we want to get to breaking of bread at the end. I want to get to a response. I believe God wants us to respond today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trash some of my notes, I think. You know, Paul was an incredible man of God, wasn't he? Paul was an apostle to the church and he wrote the letter of Philippians. And... Uh, you can hear his heart even in the first verse of, of chapter 4, and he says this. He says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, already there's tender language there, you whom I love and I long for, my joy and crown. These are, these are affectionate terms for the people that he's written to. And as I see people standing up here coming into membership, as, as a leader, as someone who carries a burden for the church, for you, you are my joy and my crown. You are my love, you're my affection, my heart, my prayers are so often for you, the church here in Bournemouth, as it was for Paul. 
And in his final words, if you like, in this last part of the letter, he says what he's been saying all the way through the letter. He says, he says I'm for you, and I want you to do well in God. I want you to achieve everything that he has for you, all of the purposes that he has given you for your life and for your life as a community. I want you to go for them all in God's grace and by the power of his spirit. And he says this, it's the message is in one sentence today from me is, is stand church, stand firm as one together with much joy. That's it. Stand firm in unity together. And there's going to be a huge amount of rejoicing. In joy, as we've already been doing today. That's the message today. So Paul says, after he's done all his love and affection, he says, stand firm in the Lord. Philippians 1 27 to 28, I'm going to take you just back to to the first chapter. It says this, it says, whatever happens, this Paul still talking to the Philippians, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened by anyone who would oppose you. There was all sorts of opposition for this church. And I want you to remember and I want you to know that Paul was in himself in prison, in chains, as he writes this letter to the Philippian church. And so he knows of the pressure. He knows of the opposition. He knows of the false teachers. He knows of the stuff that is out there that will derail these Christians, that will take them off course, that will... Um, Cause them to, 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 to go another way and to stop following Jesus. That's why he says these words. Stand firm in the Lord in this way. Well, what way? What way, Paul? Well, you go, I think you have to go back into chapter 3 by imitating me as I imitate Christ. 3 verse 17, by knowing that your citizenship, we heard that, didn't we, last year, is in heaven. That's how and that's why you can stand. That your mind would not be on earthly things because that will lead you to destruction. But it would be on heavenly things. It would be on Christ. Because if our minds are on Christ, then we will be transformed and that leads to glory and everlasting glory with him, with our resurrected bodies in transformed states forever in glory. How are you doing at standing firm in the faith this morning? Because we know a whole bunch of stuff that's out there, isn't it? Let's not, let's not be, be naive. There's a whole lot of stuff that looks attractive out there. This um, last week, I... Um, uh, well, a couple of a month ago, probably I went to the doctors. Just had a few symptoms that uh, I thought actually these are worth getting checked out. I'm at that age now where stuff starts to happen. Everything's going south, as it were. And um, 
So I went to the doctors and they said, well, let's get you a blood test, get a blood test. So I had a blood test and the, the way they do it is like, if you don't hear anything, then everything's fine. And I was like, great, okay. So a couple of days went by, week went by. Oh, I'm fine, that's great, hallelujah, I'm absolutely fine. Then I got a phone call from the receptionist at the surgery, uh, Mr. White, um, and you need to have a phone call with the doctor. Huh. Suddenly I wasn't standing quite so firm. I've got to have a phone call with the doctor. What does that mean? So anyway, a couple of d- days went by. They, I said, can we not do it today? And he was like, no, next Wednesday. Next Wednesday? That's ages away. You want to know the fear and the kind of enemy's words that were coming into my head in those few days that I was waiting for the phone call? By, by the very next day, I'd had the, I, I, I thought in my head that I had the worst disease ever. That, that was just going to be incurable, no one was going to... And I can say this up here, but some of you have that. And yet you are still standing firm. Wednesday came, the doctor phoned, and there's some stuff, there's something going on with my thyroid. It's, it's okay, and I was relieved. But the smallest thing, the easiest thing, sometimes the simple things can shake us from our firm trust in God. At those moments, what was I standing on? Was I standing in fear? Or was I standing in faith? Because to be honest, even if those things came true and I did have the worst of illnesses, for example, then God is still God. I am still saved. And he is well able to deal with me if I stand firm on his promises. We stand in God, not in our own strength. It's a very simple point, but it's everything. We stand in on him, not on us. You see, the enemy wants you to stand in fear. Do you know that? He wants to take you out. He wants to keep you in failure. He wants you in condemnation. He wants to talk about your lack of faith and your poor witness. He wants to undermine you in your leadership. Wherever you lead, and as I'm talking about leadership or imitating Paul, leading like Paul, I'm talking to mums, I'm talking to dads, I'm talking to men, I'm talking to women. I'm talking to fathers as you lead in the home. Talk to mums as you lead with your children. Talking to men in the workplace who are leading. Talking to women in the workplace who are leading. I'm talking to men in the church who are leading. The reality is we're all leading. And God wants us to lead like Paul. We're all leading. Because as Tim said up here before, the hardest person to lead is who? Craig Deschel, he says says that for uh, this this sense of standing in Christ is warrior language. We we are warriors in Christ. He says that uh, for a warrior... A warrior leader, the, the, his, his greatest fear is failure. He says that um, the greatest thing is that, that you wouldn't see everything that you, you wanted to or the stuff that you'd go for doesn't materialize. He says that a warrior leader's greatest pain is regret. That so you've gone for stuff or you haven't gone for stuff and it, you, you've let it not happen And it's the enemy that will take you out in both of those areas. 
And I want to call us together today, church, to say, church, we can stand. We stand on the rock that is Jesus Christ. You know, every time I, I do this walk from here, two steps, three steps onto the platform, I'm standing on Christ. Because the enemy will say, what have you got to give to the people today? Who's called you? Who's anointed you? What kind of authority are you carrying? Well, I'm telling you today, church, I'm carrying the authority of Jesus Christ. I stand because he stood. He has given me authority to preach the word of God, to help the people stand so that we would go forward together. Do you know whose authority you are standing in? You are standing in God's authority. If you're a Christian here today, you have authority in Christ. And he will enable you to stand. When the earth shakes, you can stand. When the enemy strikes, you can stand. When the heat is too much, stand. Ephesians 6, and when you've done everything, stand. Take a step into God's purposes. The word strive in here that Paul uses, it's not just a static standing. There is a static standing, and that's, that's godly and right. Then there's a striving. There's a contending for more. There's a pressing on towards the goal. I mean, Paul is just, he's just unbelievable at this. The reason we can do this is because of the gospel. Paul was facing death, wasn't he? In prison. He was facing death, but he's able to say that for me to live is Christ and that death is gain. Paul was facing lack. He, he, was, he, he, he had nothing. He was stripped away, but Paul was able to say, I've learned what it is to be content. Content with lots and content with nothing. In chapter 4, we'll get to that next week. Paul's experienced loss. He, he lost so much Friends, family, for the sake of the gospel. But Paul was able to say that I count all of that stuff as rubbish crap. In terms, in comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, we've got so much to learn. I've got so much to learn in terms of pressing forward and standing when other things would want to shake us. And roll us. I want to just bring an application in, in this way. There's many applications here for leadership, but I just want to talk about our gift weeks coming up and leading into those gift weeks. We've gone before you, we've gone before God and said, God, we, we're looking for a hundred thousand pounds. And and in many ways that just does the minimal in terms of our mission of what we would love to see God do. And so the brochure that you've got on your chair is to help you. And um, it's one of those areas, isn't it, finances, that I know over the years that I can wobble. And uh, I've learned to stand on the faithfulness of God as I've given. And I want to encourage us together to, to take a step to contend with the idol of mammon, that we would break something of that over us, and that we would see a miracle of God's provision and goodness here in Citygate. 
for the, for the vision, for the ongoing demonstration of the gospel here in Bournemouth. Excuse me. <clears throat> so please pray. And when you are tempted to think, I can't do that. Or when God gives you a figure in your head and says, and you say, that's too much. Remember how you can stand in faith, in authority, and on the promises and on the faith of God. Let's go to the next point. Leaders stand firm. Leaders promote unity in the spirit. Um, let's read. I plead with Yudia and I plead with Syntec. I'm sure that's how they're pronounced. To be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I will ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side for the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. I'm going to do this point really quickly. Yudia and Syntec were obviously out of sorts in the Philippine church. I was thinking about this, I was pondering it. I was thinking of the difference between being mentioned here in Philippians as Udia and Syntec, or being mentioned in Hebrews 11 in the, the Hall of Faith. I mean, who wants to be mentioned in the Bible for a disagreement in the community of God? And I felt God just say to me, <laughs> That this unity is the devil's tactic. It's a dagger right to the heart of the church. And leaders of self and leaders of communities need to contend for oneness. Oneness of same mind, of like-mindedness, of same spirit. Together, the language is right the way through this letter because the heart of Paul is that this is extremely important. D.L. Moody said, I've never known yet the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people are divided. Nothing keeps you in bondage and gives Satan greater opportunity to hammer you, yourself, and the church more than division. Jealousy, hatred, discord, boasting, envy, quarreling, and unforgiveness. These things have no place in reality in God's church. And uh, it's just Irena's example when she came up and shared about reconciliation. I'm, I'm convinced that there will be people today who need to do business with God in that way and just repent of attitude towards others. You know, the application for this is very simple. We just allow God to speak to us in the Spirit. We forgive. We repent. 
just as Christ forgave us. Let's not forget, we had a huge debt that we had no way of paying. (laughs) And he paid the debt. And yet so often we can still hold things to ourselves with wounded egos and use our energy in stroking those when Christ wants us to shift and change to bring glory to him. We'll come to our opportunity to do that as we break bread together. All right, number three point, leaders stand firm. Leaders promote unity in the spirit and leaders rejoice always, even through the pain and the suffering. Paul has an incredible ability through extreme suffering and pain to keep massively optimistic in every way. It's a great quality. And uh, we get a glimpse of how he does it here in Philippines 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will tell you again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's a really well-known verse here. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Joy is our inheritance in God. You're going to like this. Listen to this. Neurobiologists have shown that while most brain development ceases sometime in childhood, the brain's joy center, did you know you had a joy center? You have a joy center in your brain, located in the right orbital prefrontal cortex, the only part of the brain that never loses its capacity to grow. Dr. James Friesman goes on, he says, it regulates emotions, it controls pain. It's the only part that overrides the main drive centers, so things like food and uh, sexual impulses, terror and rage and other stuff like that. And he says, without enough joy strength, we can spend our lives trying to fill the deficit. How true is that? You know, in Christ... (laughs) One of the things he does is it enables us to have joy that is so deep-centered and deep down in us that it can come out amongst the most difficult and strenuous times. That's the difference between knowing Jesus and not. We need to cultivate our joy, don't we? We need to input our joy centers. (laughs) How do we do this? One of them is to present our requests to God. How many of you know that fear and anxiety rob you of joy? You know that, don't you? Paul promises here in the scripture 
that there is a life of faithful, Christ-dependent, Christ-exalting prayer that will be a life protected from anxiety by God's peace. There's a peace that transcends all understanding if we bring these things to God. If we pray. Last year, I watched some of you know, I went to India, and uh, when you go to a place like that, you have a bunch, of, a bunch of vaccines to protect you from nasty stuff. <laughs> and uh, there's a bunch of doses that go along with that, particularly for like hepatitis B or something like that. You have to have three doses and make you safe to travel. And uh, how do you pray? How, how, much, how much vaccine do you need against anxiety? You pray in every situation. How many do you need? You need it in every situation. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you want to be free from anxiety and fear, the promise here says that you can bring it to Jesus by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, and then you will be peaceful in a peace that is outside of this world because it comes from God. You see, these things for me, they build. They stand firm. How do you stand firm? Well, you stand together as one in unity. We stand with each other. <laughs> what does that bring? It brings joy. It brings life. It brings fullness so that we can keep pressing on in terms of what God has for us. These things work on the, on the premise that God is with us and we can go forward Together, we can feast, therefore, on the good news. Paul says, whatever, finally, brothers, this is another way that you cultivate your joy center. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. How do you cultivate your joy center? How do you rid of anxiety and fear? In every situation you pray to God and in every situation you think about the things that are glorious in him. That's how we stand. That's how we help one another. That's how we press forward, striving, taking on what the world has for us and bringing the good news of the kingdom wherever we go. All right, come into the land so we can break bread together. We can lead like Paul, but Paul was only imitating Christ. Paul was saying to the Philippians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Paul who follows Christ. Modeling and demonstrating this to others. you know the Philippines' whole kind of thing hinges around chapter 2 when we understand what it means to follow Christ as we read these words in chapter 2 that we get this just Christ humbling himself, Christ breaking himself. Who being in the very nature of God 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness. He was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. He was obedient even to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and he gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Leadership is sacrifice. Leadership is servant-heartedness. Leadership is putting yourself so far out there for the gospel, living a life worthy of the gospel, that you have to fight tooth and nail to stand your ground against the enemy's schemes. But stand we can, and stand we will, as we stand together in joy, rejoicing of what Christ has done for us. Let's stand together. I would love you to come and take some bread and wine as we sing this song. I don't want you to take it or eat it or drink it just yet. Because we're going to stand together as one. Enjoy. But we have tables at the front, tables in the middle, tables at the back. If you go to your nearest table, there is gluten-free options on every table. We have non-alcoholic wine. This is a meal for those who believe in Jesus. But if you don't yet believe in Jesus, (laughs) and today you are wobbling with the winds and the waves of society that will tell you this and tell you that and bash you and flow you and flop you all over the place, then I want to ask you, why not today come to know a rock that you can stand on, that will transform your life, that will bring you joy in the deepest heart that you've never known before, and that will bring you unity with you and God, a restoration and a forgiveness, and a relationship with Him for the rest of your days. (laughs) If you want to do that before we take bread, then you can simply repent of your sin. You can say sorry for not living for Jesus. You may not even have heard of him before today, but today you've heard of one who gave up everything for you. And you can come to save in faith and be born again right now in this moment as you give up living for yourself and surrender. And if you do that in your heart, you believe with your head and confess with your mouth then feel free to come and take the bread and the wine 
and let us know that you've become a Christian here in this place today. So let's go and gather bread and wine. We'll sing, we'll come back together. God's going to work in our hearts.